Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Hello, church. Good to see you all. If you're joining with us online, we're glad that you're with us as well. What do you do when your whole world, your whole life crumbles before your eyes? What do you do? Uh, Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, uh, we, they, they lived in Israel at the time, and there was a famine in the land. And so Elimelech did what uh, a father who was trying to provide for his family would do. They picked up, and uh, Elimelech took Naomi and his, their two sons, and they traveled to a distant place called Moab. Um, because they thought that that could be a place where they could get some food and get some work and kind of reestablish normalcy because what was happening was not something that was ideal for them to stay in. And so along the way, they, they got there, they settled in, and they started to, uh, you know, just establish themselves there. And over a little bit of time, Elimelech died. So Naomi is now a widow with two sons, and eventually her two sons, they uh, get married, and they marry uh, two, two women who were in that area, that there were uh, foreigners to them, but now they're in their land, and they married them. And uh, about 10 years into their transition to this place, to Moab, um, Naomi's two sons died as well. And so Naomi had just gone through uh, the mourning and grieving process of uh, her husband dying, and now uh, now her two sons are also dead. And her daughters-in-law, uh, which by the way, that's the plural version of daughters-in-law. That's It's not daughter-in-laws, it's daughters-in-law. Uh, it's pretty interesting to know, uh, just so you guys know. Uh, amen, amen. <laughs> English teacher front row gave me the, 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 the nod of approval, so we're, we're going well. Um, not every week is it that way. Um, so uh, there, her daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, uh, her, they all three, all three widows, not knowing what to do, because in this culture, it was not possible, very easy for women to survive on their own. It just wasn't in the cards for them. And so she's trying to figure out what to do. And so Naomi thinks, okay, maybe I can go back home and that'll be good. So they they start uh, traveling down the road, back down to Judah, uh, to Israel. And as they're going, Naomi starts to turn to Ruth and Orpah and say, Hey, um, you, you guys, you girls should, should go back to your home, back to your families, go back to your gods in Moab, and, and just, I, I'm going here, you need to go there. And they both urged her, like, Hey, uh, no, we want to be with you, we want to stay with you, we want to... We're going to go on this journey with you. And so they, they keep going. And, and Naomi again turns to them and says, Hey, please, just you, you need to go back to your homeland. Go back to your people. Go back to your gods. And, and just go back. And, you know, sometimes when we are grieving, when we got a lot of emotion, sometimes those, those things come out more than our faith, right? Because this is Naomi. She knew the God of Israel. She knew that that was what was best for these women. But the, the cultural implications of 
these foreign girls coming to Israel to try and settle, it was highly unlikely that they were going to be able to find uh, husbands and kind of reestablish their lives because they were foreigners. That wasn't, that wasn't something that that was in the cards for them. And so it would have been better for them to go back to their, to their land. That's what she was trying to urge them to do. And so, so Naomi turns to them again and, and, and convinces Orpah to go back home, go back to her people. She's like, hey, I, I, I'm beyond the age of being able to birth some more sons, and, and, and surely you're not going to sit here and wait for them to grow up so that you can marry them, okay? This is just not in the cards. Uh, it's, I'm past my prime. This is not, I'm not child-rearing years anymore. It's not going to happen. You just need to go back. And so Orpah turns and goes back to her home. And at this moment, Naomi then turns to Ruth, and in uh, chapter 1 of Ruth, verse 15, uh, is what it says. Naomi said, look, your, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Follow your sister-in-law. Follow your sister-in-law. And, and in these next two verses, we're going to see some of the most beautiful words penned in Scripture. Verse 16, but Ruth replied, don't plead with me to abandon you or to return and not follow you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me and do so severely if anything but death separates you and me. You imagine what it was like for Naomi to hear Ruth say something like that. She lost everything. Everyone. And how many of us know sometimes when we're grieving, when we're dealing with a lot of emotions, it's easy for us to become Naomi and start pushing people away. I, I, I don't, I'm not what's best for you. Can you just go? Just, just go away. Get away from me, please. It's what's best for you, right? Knowing that Naomi, deep down, knowing that she needed people around her. But sometimes when we're grieving, when we're down, when we're dealing with pain and suffering, we do the thing that we need the least, and that is to push people away. And that's what Naomi was doing. Have you ever been the pusher? Have you ever been in those moments where you are dealing with some kind of pain and, and, and everything in you, you know, like, this is, this is not the right path. But can you please just go away? Like, I just need you. You isolate yourself. You kind of get in your own head and you just try and cope with it on your own because you don't want to be a burden to someone. You don't want them to feel burdened by your pain. You don't feel worthy of having them in your presence while you're going through this struggle. Or how many of us have been the pushed? Maybe not the pusher, but you've been pushed. Where you, you know, like you know what they've, what they're going through is, is hard. They need someone around them. They, they are struggling. They're going down a path they shouldn't be going down. And, and, and you know with every fiber in your being that you need to be there for them. And you want to love them. You want to show that you care. And yet they push you away and you have nowhere to go. And you just, you just pleading, like, let me just stay with you. I don't, I don't know what I can do, but I want to be here to be able to at least be with you and do what I can do when we, when we know what that is. Like how many of you have been pushed? It's hard. 
And so Ruth looks at Naomi and is like, hey, I'm not going anywhere. You're stuck with me. (laughs) And, you know, like the cultural understanding of marriage was a little bit different back then than it is today. A little bit better, in my opinion. Because what Ruth understood when she married Naomi's son, when she married him, she understood that she was now a part of the whole thing, the whole family. It was, yes, it was two becoming, it was two becoming one flesh. They, they left their mother and father, all that stuff, but there's still that relational bond, uh, unlike sometimes in our day and time where, you know, you like your spouse, but you don't necessarily like the in-laws. I mean, it's a joke because it's like enough true, right? I like y'all. Y'all are awesome. So, you know, let's just make that clear, okay? But that's not all the same for everyone, right? It's not the same for everyone. And and sometimes like the, the spouse who married into the family is left out of trips, left out of get-togethers, left out of things, and they're just kind of like this other, you know, like they're over here, they're, they're just not included. That's not how it was back then. Ruth understood that when she married uh, Naomi's son, she was welcomed into the family. She was there. She was committed. And what we see Ruth displaying for Naomi is what love is. It's loyal. She's displaying her loyal love toward Naomi. Now understand, when she's making the decision to not go back home, but to go with with Naomi back to her place, back to her home, This was Ruth saying no to everything she knew. Everything that was normal. Going back to her homeland, nope, not going to go do it. I'm not going to go worship the gods I grew up worshiping from childhood up into adulthood. I'm not going to go there. I'm forsaking my family. I'm forsaking my friends. I'm forsaking everything that used to be. And I'm saying yes to something that I don't know what is to come. She didn't know what to expect. She didn't know if she was going to be welcomed in Israel. She didn't know if she was going to be able to find another husband. If she even thought that that was going to be something that she wanted to do. She didn't know. She said no to all the certain things that she had in her life and said yes to the uncertain things. What she did was she said no to what she knew and she said yes to the adventure that God was calling on her. That's a lot of times what happens. See, right last, last week we said, saw Rahab make the decision that made no sense. If you just kind of calculate it out, you put yourself in her shoes, she made the decision that didn't make any sense, Right? And yet it was the one that led her to her life being changed by the God who loves her and created her. You've got to be a part of the lineage of Jesus, this prostitute who had a past, but she had faith. And and with Ruth, we see her saying yes to an adventure, yes to uncertainty, yes to not knowing what the next step was going to be, yes to not knowing what was to come, and saying no to everything she knew that was normal. And sometimes we're so afraid of saying no to that. And yet that's the thing we need to say no to because God's got something much better in mind for us. It's much uh, something that if we go through it, we'll grow through it and we'll be different people, better people for him. And Ruth saw her love for Naomi as real. She was renouncing her old life, renouncing the idols that she worshipped and saying yes to God and saying yes to Naomi. 
And so the next verse basically says, uh, Naomi got the picture and she, she stopped talking. She's just like, okay, I'm going to leave it. She's coming. Can't do anything to convince her otherwise. Uh, so they, they keep going. They get there to, uh, Judah in the Bethlehem and they get settled in. And, uh, there's this thing in Israel, this law, um, where, uh, kind of a systemic way to help the poor. Okay. So if you had a field and it was, uh, it was barley harvest at the time. And so you're harvesting, you got your, your crew working on harvesting the barley. Uh, it was required that you and your workers would only go through one time. You just one pass through and they didn't have the fancy equipment we've got, you know, so it wasn't super efficient. You would leave some stuff on the ground. And, uh, what would happen is those who were impoverished, like someone like Ruth and Naomi, they could come and come behind the workers and be able to pick that stuff up so that they could take it home and have something to provide for themselves and their family. Uh, and so Ruth, knowing this, uh, she's like, hey, Naomi, can I, can I go and do this? I'm going to go and, um, and, and get us some food and get some, you know, some resources so we can trade, whatever. Um, and so she goes and she, she goes to the, this field and, and she's, you know, she's just following the female servants, picking up stuff as much as she can as she goes. And, and then the owner of the, of the field comes up to the scene and, uh, it's like midday at this point. And uh, his name is Boaz. And, and he comes to, you know, the managers like, hey guys, how's it going? Like, w- this is going to be good. This is going to be a good, a good harvest. Um, and, you know, like, let's, let's do it. Like, you know, let's, let's work hard and let's get this done. And then he notices Ruth in the field picking, uh, up all the barley that was left on the ground. He's like, hey, uh, who, who's that? We don't know if, like, maybe Ruth caught her, caught his eye. We don't know. Uh, but, but something told him to, to ask a question about this woman who was not even a part of his crew, uh, but was clearly impoverished and needing this food. Hey, who's that? And, and apparently her reputation preceded her because they had told her, oh, that's Naomi's daughter-in-law, Ruth. And, uh, she came here from Moab and, and she's been out there working. Like she's been out there all, like all day up to this point. She took one small break and she's, She's committed, man. She's trying to get as much as she can. And uh, recognizing that and, and knowing uh, the situation, as we'll soon find out, Boaz is like, okay, hey, let, let's make sure we set aside some extra for her. And I want to make sure that she's welcome to stay here. Like, I want to encourage her to, to stay on in this field because it was dangerous for a, a woman by herself to be doing this in a field because there were many men who would uh, take advantage of her, assault her, and abuse her. Uh, that, that was certainly possible, and it was certainly something that was normal back then. And so Boaz, recognizing that, uh, he, he welcomes her to stay in his, uh, in his field. And so in Ruth 2, 11, uh, she, she recognizes this in verse 10 and she's like, thank you so much. I don't know why you're being so nice to me. I'm a foreigner. I, I don't, I don't belong here. Um, thank you. And, and in verse 11, Boaz answered her, everything you have done for your mother-in-law since your husband's death has been fully reported to me. How, how you left your father and mother and your, your native land and how you came to a people you didn't previously know. May the Lord renew uh, may the Lord reward you for what you have done, and may you receive a full reward from the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. So, he recognized what she had done for Naomi, and 
he's recognizing not only what she did in her love for Naomi, but also her faithfulness to God as well, that she had come to him to find refuge and he's blessing her. And so the, the rest of the day goes on. They have, they have dinner. He allows her to have some food from their, their dinner. And then she goes back out and, and finishes the day picking as much as she can. And she goes back to Naomi. And uh, when, when she, she got there, um, she got the, the question, hey, how did it go today? And before we get to the, the rest of that, I just want to identify, like, did you notice in, that, in those verses that Boaz knew what Ruth had done. It was a positive report that what she had done for Naomi was reported to him. Wouldn't it be nice if we heard more reports like that? Positive ones, stories of sacrifice, of love, of of mercy, of dedication and devotion. I mean, it's one thing, right? Like we, you know, we, we live in a culture that's full of bad news, right? Because bad news, I don't know if you knew this, but you respond more strongly to bad news than you do to good news. <laughs> you can have a hundred people give you a compliment, one person give you a negative comment, and that's what you think about. You know that, right? You like a, you post a picture on Facebook, you get a hundred likes, and you get one angry emoji reaction thing, and you're like, "What? What's up with that?" And you're like thinking about it, like, "Did I offend them? Like, what, what's going on?" Right? What if though, you know, we wouldn't worry about the the news necessarily, but what if we lived lives where we were creating the content for positive reports to go out like that? Because you know, reports go out beyond just like the news stations and the media, whatever you call that, uh, there are an ability to live a life where people will notice when you love well. Like, that is true. People talk about that. People take notice when you love in a way that reminds them of how God loves. Here's the, here's the trouble. Here's the rub. In our day and time, because we live in a world that, guess what, uh, includes and is led by an enemy who's prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He is the enemy. He doesn't want the church to be uh, hopeful. He doesn't want the church to be faithful. He doesn't want the church to be loving. So what does he do? He tries to get us to be divided and to fight each other and to fight the world rather than love the world and call them into a loving relationship with Jesus. We, we live in a world like that, which, by the way, has always been like this. Um, and the rub is where we are forti- we have fortitude enough to where we can be followers of Jesus, where we choose love even when everything surrounds us is negative. Even when everyone tells us that, oh, they are to be hated, they are to be uh, slandered, they, they are the enemy, they are the enemy. When we follow Jesus, we have to rise above all of that noise and love people anyway. And guess what happens when we do? Positive reports will go out. This is how the Roman Empire was brought to their knees. Not by Christians taking up swords, except for this one. By loving people. 
Christians were fed to lions for the faith. And then a couple hundred years later, 51% of the Roman Empire said Jesus is Lord. That's how we change the world, is by doing exactly what Jesus said. And when we do exactly what Jesus said, then there will be reports that go before us and say, wow, look at, look at them. Like, I may not agree with all of the things that they say, but wow, they love well. And that's what Ruth was doing. She was allowing her love to go before her. She didn't do it for the report, and we don't do it for the report, but when we love well, the reports go out. The reports go out. So Ruth comes home. He's got a bunch of stuff. And Naomi's like, hey, how'd it go? Like, clearly you, you, you had a good day. Like, this is great. Um, and Ruth starts to say, oh, yeah. So I, I uh, met this man named Boaz. And um, he said to stay in, my, in his field. And I can follow along his female servants. He's protecting me. He's making sure that... None of the, the other men take advantage of me. It's really a great situation. And as soon as Ruth said Boaz, Naomi's eyes lit up. Why? Because uh, Boaz was related to Elimelech, which is Naomi's hus- late husband. And there's this idea in Scripture and in the, the Jewish world of a kinsman redeemer. So there's this idea that uh, if, if, a, if, a, if a brother's uh, brother died, right? They got some brothers. Uh, that that, and he didn't have any sons to have the the family line continue through. Then one of the other brothers or family members is supposed to marry that person, uh, marry their their wife, and uh, give them a son so that their family line can continue. And so, uh, you know, Naomi, knowing this, she's like, "Oh yeah, Boaz is one of our kinsmen redeemers. He's like family. He's like, this is great." So. Yes, please go and, you know, help him in the field. Like, go go to his field, stay there. And so day after day, day after day, Ruth goes back to Boaz's field and is, is picking up barley and, and making ends meet and, and trying to survive. And, and when the harvest is done, so this happened for days, and when, when the harvest was finished, Ruth goes back home, and, and Naomi is kind of like, man, uh, you have worked so hard. And I just want you to have the life that you used to have. Like, I want you to be able to be married and have a family. I just, I just want that for you. I just want that for you. And, and you know, Naomi, not, like, not, not being able to do anything directly, but then she comes up with this scheme. She comes up with a little plan. And it's a really weird plan. So, <laughs> there's a lot of cultural things, but Naomi's like, hey, here's what you're going to do. Since Boaz is one of the kinsmen redeemers for our family, um, I want you to uh, wait till this evening. And I want you to find where he is. And uh, after he falls asleep, I want you to go where he's sleeping. And I want you to uncover his feet. And I want you to lay down at his feet. And then when he wakes up, he'll tell you, like, just let it go. Like, just kind of, you'll see what happens, okay? That's a really weird plan, right? Okay, so Scripture says uh, uh, Boaz was like, he had dinner. He's been working to, you know, get, get all of his grain and all that stuff. And he's been working. He, he had dinner. He had some drinks. And he was feeling pretty good. And he went to bed. That's, that's what it essentially says. 
And so, you know, he's sleeping. Ruth strolls in and uncovers his feet. Uh, it did not include uh, in what he did before he went to sleep. It did not include the statement that he bathed himself. You know what I'm saying? So Naomi said, hey, uncover his feet and lay there. Okay, all right. Um, and so anybody, like, if your feet got uncovered when you're sleeping, would that be pleasant? No. What was, what's wrong with you? What is that? Put my feet under the covers, right? Um, and so, so, so Ruth does that. She listens to Naomi's weird advice and uncovers his feet, lays at his feet, and eventually around midnight, Boaz wakes up. Hopefully he didn't kick her in the face. Because he woke up startled. Like, what is going on? And all of a sudden, you know, he sees this woman laying at his feet, which is like a very, you know, significant sign of humility. And he's like, who are you? Like, what is going on? You know? And uh, she's like, oh, hey, it's Ruth. You know, we've met a few times. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, and basically, uh, Ruth proposes to Boaz. Hey, I've heard that you're... Uh, a kinsman redeemer in our family um, essentially asked, will you redeem me? Will you marry me? And, and you know, like this has got to be the weirdest night for Boaz. And he's like, oh, uh, okay. I, um, I got somebody I need to talk to first, but um, let me give you some more food to take. Say hi to Naomi for me. And, uh, and then she goes back to, to, to the house and Naomi's like, Hey, so how'd it go? Right. And Ruth's like, uh, well, he gave me this food that I, and, um, he's like, yeah, I'll do that. And, and, but he's got to go and figure something out. And, and Naomi's like, that's amazing. That's great. She's, he's not going to stop until he figures this thing out. Okay, you will know by the end of the day. He is motivated. Um, and so Boaz gets up, he goes up to the to the to the city gate and he's waiting for this this other person because basically the way it worked was uh there was another person, another guy in line, uh closer to Naomi, who would be the first person who had the opportunity to redeem Naomi and her family. Okay. So he had to like talk to this guy and see if that's something he wanted to do before he could do it. Uh, weird cultural things. I know. So he gets all, a bunch of some elders to come out with him and he's hanging out by the gate, you know, as the guys are like walking up with their lunch pail, like walking into Bethlehem, you know, like for a you know, a day's work. And, and he eventually finds the guy and he's like, Hey, can, come, come. I need to talk to you. And he's like, Hey man, um, just so you know, Naomi, uh, you know, Elimelech's widow, um, she's selling all of Elimelech's, uh, you know, ground and, 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 and land. And, um, will you redeem her? Like, will you, will you be that for her? And he's like, yeah, sure. I'll, uh, yes, definitely. I will do that. And, and then Boaz, knowing the cultural, uh, complexities of this deal, he, he understands that, uh, not everyone's going to be willing to marry Ruth because she's a foreigner. Okay. So he's like, okay, that's great. Uh, Boaz says to this guy, he's like, hey, uh, just so you know, like if, if you go through with this as a part of the redemption that you need to do is you would be marrying Ruth, the Moabite. He's like, uh, 
no, I'm not I'm not going to do that. Ruin my inheritance, can't, can't do that. And uh, so Boaz is like, okay, well, can we make this official then if you're not going to do this? And they, they're official, kind of like a handshake. They handed each other their sandals. I don't know, was it with feet in these people? But like, it's kind of like, like, thanks, you know, like it's official. I don't know. Um, and so uh, Boaz decides to redeem Naomi through, um, through marrying Ruth and uh, acquiring uh, everything in, in that deal and, and basically gave new life to Naomi, new life to Ruth. And um, it's really cool, too, because uh, through this, Naomi and or Ruth and Boaz had a, had a had a child, had a son, and uh, that family line uh, was a couple steps away from King David, and which ultimately led to King Jesus. And uh, by the way, Boaz's mom was Rahab. So you see the family lineage of Jesus being kind of articulated through a prostitute, a foreign woman, and all these different dynamics. And you see the beauty that God is for all people, no matter what your background, no matter your story, no matter where you've been, God loves everyone. And we see that working through this. And, and just, just for an idea of Boaz doing this, it cost him something to be this redeemer for them. He, he lovingly did it though. It cost him, but he lovingly did it. And Ruth's status in this moment was changed from foreign poverty stricken, uh, widow to beloved wife. And Naomi's and Ruth's legacy was furthered through Boaz's willingness to redeem, and he kept the lineage of King David and ultimately Jesus intact. And the cool thing in this, before we get back to Ruth specifically, um, when we read about this kinsman redeemer in Boaz, we should be reminded of the fact that uh, we all needed redemption also, just like Naomi and just like Ruth. And the good news is, is we all have a kinsman redeemer in Jesus. See, he redeemed us and it cost him something and he lovingly did it. And because our status, it was slave to sin, but he redeemed us and made us completely free. We used to be enemies of God and now we are children of God through him. We used to be orphans uh, and now we are welcomed into God's family. And we are joined together in a glorious marriage between Jesus and his bride, the church. And so Jesus is the kinsman redeemer that Boaz should remind us of. And we are those ones who are in need of redemption, just like Ruth. But two things I want you to walk away with in this is, is from Ruth, just from her life, from what we know about her, is that number one, Ruth's loyal love toward Naomi. Ruth's love toward Naomi was loyal. Her love wasn't just like, oh yeah, I love you and I'm not going to do anything about it. I just want to say it and we'll just leave it at that. Uh, her love for her, uh, requ- like she saw that as something that moved, that was sacrificial, that was not in it for, hey, I'll love you on my terms. Have you ever done that? You try to love someone on your own terms? You ever, you ever met someone who wanted to love you on their terms? I'll love you as long as you say this. I'll love you as long as you align with me in these areas. I'll love you as long as you believe this way. That's not what Ruth's love toward Naomi was like. And the second thing is that loyal love made her receptive to Naomi's weird guidance. 
right? So she had this loyal love toward Naomi, and then Naomi came up with this weird plan. Go, go uncover the dude's feet, lay at the feet, plug your nose, and then wait for him to wake up. It's a great, it's a great proposal story, right? You know, like, fellas, do you feel better? <laughs> Amen. We always learn about these wonderful, amazing, immaculate, like they're on the top of a mountain. It's like, oh, I'll give you the world, honey, marry me. It's like, no. Ruth was like, I'll uncover your feet. It's great, you know. <laughs> Stinky feet and all. But what this should remind us of, here, here's the thing. Real love is loyal. Real love is loyal. Real love is loyal. And, and it's kind of a weird kind of application because sometimes you can love someone who has no business giving you advice. You know what I'm saying? Like to listen to their advice would be detrimental to them and to you. So I'm not saying, hey, uh, everyone you love, you need to be loyal to, to listen to all their weird guidance. That's not what I'm saying. But what I want to point us to is the one in whom we love the most and we should be loyal to and we should be receptive to his guidance, and that is God's. Ruth shows us the kind of love that we are to have for God. Because he is the only one who deserves all of our allegiance, all of our loyalty, all of our devotion. And yes, our love flows from that toward people, but we ultimately follow his guidance above everyone else's. Above everything else, we follow his guidance. And so here's the thing. When, when scripture talks about what it looks like to follow God, to follow Jesus, it means to love him. Not just a, God, thanks for this, love you, you know, be my selfie. No, it means that we listen to him and the way we know that we love God, this is what John says, the way we know that we love God is if we love people. That's So in our world right now, uh, we've got a lot of stuff that we can be upset about, a lot of secondary issues that we've risen up to primary issues, and what we are called to as followers of Jesus is no matter what the future comes, no matter what comes into our, the forefront of our existence, we are called to love first, to be loyal to our God enough to where we would be courageous enough to love the people who are hard to love, to be devoted to Him, Above everything else. To, and if you think about it, when Ruth uh, said yes to Naomi and no to her old life, isn't that a beautiful picture of what it looks like to turn to Jesus? I'm going to say no to my old life. I'm going to say no to my old stuff. I'm going to say no to my old, like, every everything that used to be normal. All my idols, all the things I went to to find value and, and affirmation. I'm going to say no to those things. And I'm going to say yes to God. I don't know what the future what the future holds. I don't know where he's going to call me to. I don't know what he's going to tell me to do. I don't know who he's going to call me to love. But what I do know is he's worth everything. And he's worth me being a little uncomfortable about the future. Because he's calling me to an adventure. Church, when we get to a point when we understand that following Jesus doesn't mean we understand, we have everything under control, that we know what the future holds. When we get to the point where we are saying yes to Jesus, no matter what the future holds, then we are right where we need to be. Because God will take you to places that you never thought were possible. He will take you places that you thought were like, oh, I would never do that. I would never go there. And yet God will take you there if you are willing to be loyal and loving to him and follow him where he's calling you to go. Ruth probably never had it in her mind that she was going to go to, uh, to Bethlehem and, uh, first of all, follow this Yahweh character, this God of the Israelites, and then be one of the great, 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 great grandmothers of the Messiah of the universe. <laughs> right? And yet, when we say yes to God, 
He takes our little bit of faith, our little bit of love, our little bit of faithfulness, and he exponentializes it. He makes it to where it multiplies and impacts other people. And so what I think we need to see in this is that Ruth loved Naomi enough to listen to her. So if we say we love God, in every moment of the day, we've got to determine, okay, I say I love God. Am I going to listen to him? Am I going to do what he says? Am I going to choose the path that may not seem to make any worldly sense, but it makes sense when we put in the factor that God is on the throne, that God is in charge? What we see in Ruth is that when she didn't know what her future was was going to hold, when she didn't know what her next step looked like, when she didn't know what her life was going to be, she simply did one thing. She tried to take the next best step. That's it. To take the next best step. Rahab showed us that, hey, real faith, it leads to faithfulness. Ruth has shown us that real love is loyal. And if we have real love for God, we're going to be loyal to him. We're going to be devoted to him. We're going to have our allegiance to him. We're going to have him be the one who's in charge. And so that gives us a metric then to determine what's the next best step for me right now. So you may be dealing with something, a decision. You may be maybe wrestling with what to do or where to go or what to say or, God, what are you doing in this, in this relationship? What's the next best step for you? In light of your loyal love to the God who's on the throne. That's what Ruth showed us. She took the next best step. She didn't know what the future was going to hold. She didn't know know she was going to meet Boaz. But she did know that she loved Naomi. She wanted to be with her. So that's all we need. That, That we love God. And we know we want to be with him. If you got that. He's got you. You're not going to, no matter what you deal with, there will never be a moment if you follow Jesus, if you surrender to him, you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. There will never be a day where you are actually alone. It may feel that way. You may wrestle with that. But there will never be a day that you are alone because he's with you. And there will never be a moment where you don't have his guidance. You just need to sometimes listen. Slow down enough Turn down the noise of the world and listen to him. And he will lead us to what the next best step is. It's not always easy, but y'all, Jesus never said following him was going to be easy. He's like, hey man, you want to follow me? Cool, I'm homeless. Party, you know. I'm not an Instagram influencer, you know. He would, he would say things that were true about following him just so the people who were only in it for the show would leave. So are you in it for the show or are you in it for him? Take the next best step with him. Church, would you stand? We're going to pray. We're going to sing out to our awesome God. Father, thank you for loving us in such a way that no matter what we are wrestling with, no matter uh, what we are struggling with, no matter how much pain we've endured, no matter how much 
uh, anguish we have toward the future or toward the present, how much the past haunts us still, we know that you are still there, you are working, and you love us. God, we know that you are calling us to be faithful to you, to love you, and to love people. God, would you help us to see the value and the worth of loving people radically like you loved us? God, would you uh, just remind us of, of the, the love that Ruth had for Naomi and, and let that be a, a measure of the kind of love that we should have for you? God, allow us to see Boaz and the, the, the willingness to redeem Naomi and Ruth as, as just a, a slight little kind of glimmer of a picture of the depths and the reach that you had, Jesus, when you came down to redeem us, all of humanity, to take us from being slaves to sin to being children of God. God, help us to be ones who recognize that love toward you is to be devoted and to listen to you. God, would you help us? Give us wisdom each and every moment of the day to take the next best step in light of our love for you. We love you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.